Friends, um, have open in front of you. Uh, we're going to be flicking around a little bit, so if you've got a Bible, it would be great. You can, you can hang up Matthew 6 for a while and, and as we look at the Lord's Prayer, and later on we'll go to Romans 3, but it's been up on the screen as well. I, I want to, um, uh, and there's an outline as well in your bulletin. If you want to get that out, that'll help you to follow along and see what's going on, uh, see how long we've got to go, all those good things. Um, I just want to give you a bit of a heads up. Uh, before we pray and get stuck in about um, a couple things. Over the next little while, I, I, what I'd like to do, I'd like to try something a bit different with our, um, our Q&A sessions after the sermons, or what we've often called our Q&R, because it's actually question and response, not necessarily an answer. Um, I, I want to, and, and to be honest, at times I've, um, I admit, I've felt a little bit frustrated that I haven't been able to give as good a response as what's needed. Uh, so what I want to do, I'd like to try something slightly different. However, in that, it's an invitation to, to broaden our Q&A time. I want to invite anyone who has a question from the sermon that they'd like some clarity on to write it on a comment slip. So you know the comment slips, don't you? Have I showed you how the comment slips work? It's really quite amazing. You, you, you tear it off. Well, actually, you might want to write on it first before you tear it off. So I made a mistake already. Oh, well. Um, you, you don't have to put your name on it if you don't want to, but sometimes it's helpful if, if I want to follow you up and see if you're okay or whatever, especially if it's a prayer point or something. Um, but if you want to write a question there, all right, you write your question there about the sermon, and then I want to, if you can, it'd be very easy, just put in the comment slip, uh, comment box, that white box at the back up there. And in the following week during the service, and we're probably going to do it before the Bible readings each week, we're going to have a dedicated time for me to answer those questions. Okay? Uh, now, this helps me to respond well and more thoughtfully to your questions, but it also gives the questioner more time to think through their question or their comment. Or even they might want to talk to someone after the service about, hey, I've got a question on this. Should I write it down? And they might go, you know, yeah, yeah he talked about that about halfway through. And then you can talk about it over morning tea. But you still might want some more clarity, and so you write it down. Um, now, however, with this little, little change of practice, and I want to say it's a bit of a trial. We're going to give it a go, see how it goes. We lose a few things, don't we? We lose a bit of the um, impromptu. We do, do lose that, and that, that might make people a bit sad, and, and I'm sorry about that. Um, but I'd also like you to use the time to invite... I want to invite you to ask any question. So you might have been talking with a friend at work and they gave you this curly question about something, all right, about, you know, I'm a liar, 323. It's not a Bible verse, it's okay, it's just my little silly joke. Um, but, um, and went down as well as last time as well, good to see. Uh, <laughs> you see, you might have a question from work or a question someone's asked you down the street or the pub, or whatever, and you didn't quite know the answer and you thought, oh, I want to go back and talk to him again. I want to get an answer to this. Well, why not write it on a comment card, put it in the box, and we'll spend some time the following week answering that question, okay? Um, now, uh, it, it, I hope it will work really well. Uh, and so, in so it's broadened. It's, it's broadened time. Now, I don't want it to... Obviously, we don't want the service to go for three hours, and sometimes I might, I, might, I might think to myself, you know what, that'll be answered in two weeks' time in that sermon, so I'm going to leave it. But I'll tell you that. I won't just ignore it completely. But I'll, I'll, so, but some I'll answer straight away. So anything about God, Jesus, the Bible life, spiritual things, whatever, you can ask a question and we'll spend some time talking about it. Um, 
Uh, don't ask questions about maths or history. Um, and, I, and I love history, actually. Maths. Don't ask questions about maths. When we do this in... Um, we used to do it in ribs. I don't know if it happens anymore. Jono's not here. Matt, does it still happen? Do we still get silly questions in the question yes, box yes, here? Yes, okay, great. So that's, that's a good tradition in ribs, but not in here. Um, so, uh, excellent. And don't forget, you can always catch me after the service if you've got a question about the sermon or something you might have missed or wasn't clear on. You can always catch me after the service to ask. That's not a problem at all. Um, don't come and tell to me, to, don't say to me, oh, I know you're busy. As a matter, you're more important than anything else. So your questions are far more important than anything else that's going on. So come and talk to me afterwards. And, of course, if you want to talk to me during the week, you can do that too. So that's a good thing. How about I pray, and then we look at this next little phrase in the Lord's Prayer. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for the gift that church is. Uh, we thank you that, um, that you've drawn us together today. And we pray, Lord, that as we open your word, uh, Lord, it's another bit of a it's another little hard prayer, really. We pray, though, that you would change us and make us more like your son, Jesus. Amen. All right, so we're looking once more at Jesus' teaching on, uh, on prayer. And when Jesus asked, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, he had his disciples gathering around him, maybe a little campfire, something like that, who knows. And they asked, him, they asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus' response was, this then is how you should pray. All right. The first three petitions we've seen, we've looked at so far, uh, have been God the Father focused. You notice that? They're God the Father focused. And then the next three come, well, then it comes to our needs. So God first, then our needs. And that, import, that order is important. So our needs give us, uh, forgive us, lead us. I think I've got it up on the screen here again. I'll turn it off. There you go. Oop, I'm not working, Rod. Just, um, just hold one second. That, hurt, that helps sometimes. Helps at home with the remote control of the TV. There we go. Good. There you go. Try that at home anytime you want. Um, so, <laughs> did you press that, um, Carl? Or, aha. All right, Rods. That's good. All right, Rod, you'll be on your game then. Um, lots of pressing buttons. So, here we go. The first, so, the first half has been God focused. The next half is give us, forgive us. And uh, lead us. So the order is important. We want to get things right with God first. That's how we pray. So we've been saying, Father, uh, your, uh, your name be holy. Uh, that is, we pray for God's reputation. We pray, hallowed be your name. Uh, okay, is that, that's not going to work. Sorry, Rod. Uh, there we go. I wonder if I can. Can I make it work? It's just going to be tricky otherwise. There's lots of pressing buttons. Um, just dwell on that for a moment. Um, yeah, sorry. Poor old Kurt's on the, on, the, on the box and he's panicking back there. You'd be right, Kurt. We love you. It's okay. It's not your fault. It's not mine. It's not anyone's, really. Okay, let's just try that. Here we go. Go back. Hey, there you go. Good. Thank you, everyone. Okay, so that's what we've done. We first we pray, focus on the Father first, the priority. Hallowed be your name. Make his, we're praying for God's reputation. Then we pray, we've prayed for God's rule, so your kingdom come, that all will submit to the heavenly king. And Jesus has taught us that as we, as we pray, we pray our Father's will be done and not mine. It's a hard prayer, isn't it? We pray that not my ambitions, but God's ambitions. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. They're big prayers, and if, they're, if we're honest with each other, well, they're, a bit, they're hard to pray. 
I actually don't think it gets any easier, sorry to say. It's still hard if we're honest with God. We'll see that today. And these next three petitions that we'll look at, we could not survive without any of them as Christians. You see, we praise God that he not only gives us bread, but he also forgives us and he delivers us from evil. Think for a moment about think for a moment of, a, of an SAS soldier. SAS soldier caught behind enemy lines by the Taliban. For this soldier to be of any further use in the special forces of the Australian army, he would need the provision of three things, wouldn't he? Let's try to guess what they'd be. All right? He'd need some nourishment to stay alive, wouldn't he? Like he's, he's, he's caught behind him, he's caught, captured. Nourishment. He'd need, well, he'd want to be freed. <laughs> he doesn't want to stay there forever. So he needs liberation. He wants to be freed from captivity. And then as he's getting away and wants to be freed, he really wants to stay protected. He wants safety too. So there's those three things. If you're caught behind enemy lines, you're an SAS soldier. Resources, deliverance and safety. So for you and I to survive following Jesus, this is what we need. It's similar, isn't it? We need resources of daily bread. We talked about that last week. Simple daily bread. Provision. We need deliverance from sin. Forgiveness. We'll talk about that today. And safety from Satan. Protection, the evil one. And we want it all at the same time if we're going to be any use in the service of our Lord Jesus. So today we come to this next petition. Uh, Forgive us our sins, our debts. Uh, uh, Matthew puts debts, Luke puts sin. We'll talk about that in a moment. And why? Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now together this prayer is, and you can see in your outline, it is a gracious invitation. It's a a grace-filled invitation from God and it enables a grace-filled response. So that's really the two halves of where we're heading today. And you can see in your outline that this, the prayer is an expression of faith, a confession of sins, and it's a commitment to respond, that grace-filled response. Okay, so let's look at our first little point there. God's gracious invitation, forgive us our sins, is an expression of faith in Christ. So when we pray, forgive us our sins, we're expressing our faith in the work of Christ on the cross. Now, in the next few minutes, we'll look at three major and complementary, so they work together, perspectives of how a Christian's forgiveness is achieved. Now, the verses in Romans, I'm going to put it up on the screen, because this verse, actually, we find all three perspectives. So in Romans 3, verse 23, and I've put the key words in bold, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are, here's the first one, justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Now, some Bible passages or Bible um, versions have the word propitiation. I'll talk about that in a moment. It's a big Bible word, but it's a helpful one. But sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood. So let's look at that first one. In Christ we're declared righteous, justification. How is it that a Christian's... uh, Forgiveness is achieved. That's the question we're answering here. So on the cross, Jesus was treated as if he were us. Justification. 
He's punished for our sins so that we can be treated as if we were him. That's what happened on the cross. On the cross, God made him who had no sin be sin for us so that in him, as we trust in him, we might become righteous, right with God. That's 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. So we're not merely, you see, declared not guilty. That's true, we are. We're declared not guilty. But actually we're, we're, we're declared positively righteous and fit for heaven. Remember, justification, just as if I've never sinned. There's little notes for it. Just as if I've never sinned. That's what happens on the cross. Well, I guess we could say too, just as if I'd been Jesus. That's a good one, good one to remember. That's what happened on the cross. Just as if I'd been Jesus. Quite some time ago, I, um, I was in year eight, and I, had, I think it was year eight, and I had, to, um, I had to read, so my memory's a bit hazy, and I might need some revision of this story, but I had to read Charles Dickens' A Tale of Two Cities. So here's a picture of one of the scenes we'll get to in a moment. I had to read it. I, I was forced to read it. I'm not really a fiction reader. I like reading non-fiction. Um, uh, Michelle does all the fiction reading I ever need. She's wonderful that way. Yeah, she's a wonderful wife. Um, so in this, there's a story uh, which illustrates this extraordinary exchange we've been talking about. Uh, the story is set in the 18th century during the French Revolution. Two men, uh, Charles Darney, he's a French aristocrat, uh, and Sidney Carton, he's uh, basically a dodgy English lawyer. And they happen to look very, very similar, all right? The doppelgangers, right? that's what's going on here. Um, they, uh, and they fall in love with the same woman, so problematic. Um, now, she only loves Darnie, right? Darnie, the French guy. But he's captured and he's imprisoned in Paris and he's set to be executed you know, by the guillotine, off with your head, gone. So out of love for the girl, Carton does the one good thing he's ever done. He goes to the prison with a friend and they drug Darnie and Carton exchanges clothes with him and Darnie is then taken out to a carriage in Carton's clothes with his papers and they get through the barricades in Paris, off they go and home safely to his wife and child in England. And the next day, Sidney Carlton is executed in Charles Darney's place. That is the cross. That is, that is Christ executed in our place so that we can be made right with God. That's what, it, that's what happened. And so that we can be clothed in Jesus' righteousness. As a child of God, Jesus swapped places with us to be treated like us so that we can be treated like him. That's what happened on the cross. So when we pray, forgive us our sins, we remember, we trust God that we are justified. We are uh, just as if I'd been Jesus. We're justified by God's grace through faith in Christ. Let's look at the next one, shall we? In Christ, we are freed. So there's that word redemption there. It's in bold. Hope you can see that. It's the language of the Exodus. Remember the Exodus in, uh, in the Old Testament where the people of God are set free from slavery under the Egyptians and they, they exit, they get out of their freed from slavery and out of, um, out of Egypt. 
And that, that event itself points to the cross and helps us to understand the freedom that we have now in Christ. Now, I'm reading a good book at the moment. It's a really, it's a great book on the Lord's Prayer. It's called um, Our Father, Enjoying God in Prayer. I've nicked heaps of good stuff from this. Um, but it, the, the writer's a UK guy, um, Richard Koken, and he tells this great story. I thought I'd just read it out to you from the book. Uh, he tells this great story, I think, which illustrates this really well. So let me read to you. There's a couple of English terms, but you get the idea. So in 1995, when Philip Lawrence, headmaster of St George's School in Maida Vale, London, walked out into the street to find a pupil being set upon by a gang of thugs, he acted to rescue the poor boy. But when he intervened to save the lad from the gang, he was punched and fatally stabbed. After staggering back into his school, he bled to death. Perhaps that pupil did not previously care much for his headmaster. Few schoolboys will put a poster of their headmaster on their bedroom wall. Oh, I didn't do it. Any of you guys? No? Okay. Um, but from that day, that day on, the boy's attitude to Philip Lawrence would forever be different, as he had redeemed his life from a violent gang at the cost of his own blood. See, friends, that's... Um, in the same way, Jesus came into our world to redeem us from the gang of thugs called Satan, sin and death at the cost of his own life on the cross. When we pray, forgive us our sins, we ask God to remember that he has uh, he's ransomed us, he's paid the price for our freedom from slavery to Satan, sin and death by his own death on the cross for us. Let's look at one more. So we've looked at justified, redemption. Last one, sacrifice of atonement. In Christ, we are safe from the wrath of God. So Christ died as a sacrifice of atonement. Now, some Bible translations are correctly, it's fine, um, use, use the word propitiation. It means the same thing. Um, and uh, it, what it means is, is, is the turning aside of the wrath of God so that we can be friends with God and not enemies. We're made at one, at one atonement, if you like, that, that might help. On the cross, God's wrath of judgment for our sin has been satisfied by Jesus' death for us, and so we can pray, Father, forgive us our sins. Now again, this language of atonement is Old Testament language. It comes from a, a particular part of the sacrificial system. There's one particular day of the year called the Day of Atonement. We could read about it in Leviticus 16, if you like. But on this particular day, uh, two goats were sacrificed. Use your goats. One was killed to satisfy God that a death had taken place for the guilty. Sound familiar? Think about Jesus. Remember, it points to Jesus. Sin had been punished. Another goat had, been, uh, another goat had the sins of the people confessed over it. Not quite sure how that really worked and what it looked like, but they confessed the sins over the goat. And then it was driven out into the wilderness. And this goat happened to get, get the name called the scapegoat. So that's where that word comes from. And it symbolically, it carried the guilt of the people away, away from the synagogue which represented God's presence, away. The sin had been taken away. Now, the New Testament tells us that Jesus fulfills this in his once for all, once sacrifice on the cross. God's wrath has been turned aside and the record of our sins has been, has been taken away as far as the east is from the west. 
We've been washed whiter than snow. Remember Alex read Psalm 51 for us? Whiter than snow. So when we pray, forgive us our sins, we remember in faith that God has been propitiated by the death of Christ, so we are cleaned of our sin. That's what happens when we pray that. Okay, let's think so far. Here's how, what we've done. So far we've seen the de- through the death of, uh, death of Christ in our place, on the cross, we are uh, acceptable by justification, you know, just as if I'd been Jesus. Free by redemption and clean by propitiation, the wrath of God being turned aside. On this basis, our debts are completely forgiven. Our debts to God are forgiven. You see, Jesus' death was the penalty for our sin. Theologians call this a a penal substitution. In other words, Jesus pays the penalty for our sin. We we often read these words at Easter time. Uh, We should read them every day. Uh, Isaiah 53, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Friends, do do you see? No, no. Do you know? Do you know the assurance we have when we come to our Father and pray, forgive us our sins? Do you know it? Of course I want you to see it there in the text, but do you know it in your heart? That confidence and assurance because of the cross of Christ. If you don't have that, you've got to get it. Put your trust in Jesus now, today. Know that confidence that when you come to him, you are forgiven. When you pray that prayer, you are forgiven and you're right with God. Okay. Now, the other thing we ought to note too is that forgiveness of... When we pray, forgive us our sins, well, that's... Sort of obvious, really, but let's not miss the obvious. It's a confession, isn't it? It's a confession when we say that. That, that, um, that we need God's forgiveness. Romans 3 says, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's why Jesus says debts here in Matthew's Gospel, because we all fail to give God what is owed to him. What's owed to God? Respect, honour, obedience. He's our creator. We've all failed that. When we, when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we have to admit that we are spiritual failures and we need his forgiveness. Let me illustrate that for a minute. So imagine for a moment there are two young teachers, uh, Tatiana and Svetlana. (laughs) I like using Russian names. But of course the Russian names have nothing to do with the story whatsoever, so just remember that. Um, (laughs) So they're both looking to share a flat in Sydney, right? And uh, they search the internet and only find overpriced apartments. Who'd want to live in Sydney, hey? Shh. Anyway, but then they suddenly come across this amazing ad. Let me read the ad to you. Palatial mansion in 20 acres of mature gardens overlooking Centennial Park. Not quite sure that's possible these days, but let's not worry about that. Uh, Ten stately reception rooms, 14 bedrooms on two floors, swimming pool, games room, snooker room. Two tenants needed, $25 per month for two years. The girls assumed it must be a misprint or something, but they rang anyway, just in case. It was genuine. The owner was a Texan billionaire. 
home for a couple of years on business, so he was about to go home, and he, wanting, he wants responsible tenants to care for his estate. He didn't need the money. The only thing he asked was that they keep in touch and discuss the needs of the property. The owner left and the two young Russians moved in, ecstatic at their good fortune. But Tatiana and Svetlana <laughs> proved to be very, diff very different people. See, Tatiana moved to the top floor and very soon she had invited 50 of her wildest friends to join her and move in with her. There were all-night parties, there was beer stains on the walls, there were cigarette burns on the furniture, vomit on the carpet, it was all there. The whole floor was trashed. And it was obvious that when the owner returned, Tatiana would be kicked out. Svetlana, well, she was very different. She took the middle floor and was impeccably behaved. She was in bed by 10 each night. I know for some of you that's a late night, but go with me, will you? Um, <laughs> she washed the windows every Tuesday. She polished the door handles every Thursday. And she mopped the floor spotless, spotless every weekend. Everyone assumed that when the owner returned, Svetlana would be declared the perfect tenant and be invited to stay forever. But when the Texan billionaire returned, well, to everyone's surprise, he kicked them both out. To anyone who bothered asking, he sadly explained, and I wish I could do a Texan billionaire accent, <laughs> but I can't, so I'm just going to read it to you. This is what he said. Uh, to be sure, Tatiana trashed the place while Svetlana was very tidy, but both of them failed me in different ways. Neither bothered to stay in touch, though I left them countless messages. They ignored my requests and treated me with contempt. I'm afraid they abused my kindness to remember whose house they were living in. They seemed to forget I even existed. And they even failed to pay the rent. <laughs> you see, I reckon this illustrates pretty well how different people fail God. We all live in God's beautiful creation. He supplies us richly with so much to enjoy. He expects us to stay in touch, to listen to his message and remember that we live in his world. But in different ways we ignore him and, and abuse his generosity. Some of us are like Tatiana. You know, we, we trash our lives and the wreckage of spoiled relationships are everywhere. But others are like Svetlana. So neat and tidy. So refined and polite so religious and moral that they're surprised that God would kick them out. The truth is we've all failed to treat God with the respect and gratitude that his generosity deserves. Friends, God's kindness therefore must lead us back to repentance. That means saying sorry to God, turning away from the direction we're going and going the direction God wants us to go asking for forgiveness when we pray forgive us our sins or our debts it actually brings us the joy of remembering God's grace and forgiveness because we need it because we've failed God the, the joy of knowing God's grace and forgiveness his pardon from our sin without this we're, we're, left, we're left with guilt we're left feeling distant from our Father. 
That's a hard prayer, isn't it, to be humble before God like that? But we must do it. To confess our sins. And when we do, we experience great relief and delight and assurance of a renewed relationship with our Father. Have a look at John 1, verse 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is, is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, let's, let's draw a few things together as we, we close and really think about our response to God's gracious invitation. So it's the second part, but it's a bit quicker. It's a, a gracious response, a commitment to forgive others. Let's turn back, and I, I think I've got this on the screen. Uh, let's have a look. Yes, I do. Good. Um, this is the few verses after the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' teaching on prayer in Matthew 6. So verse 14, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. See, forgiveness of others is a condition of forgiveness from Christ. Now, we don't get this wrong. We're not, not saying here that we're right with God or saved if we forgive others, like it's some sort of work. No, no, but we are saying, Jesus is saying that, that, that um, if we're not forgiving the sins of other people, well then, we don't understand God's grace. We don't trust in it. We don't have faith in it. We're not acting on it. We're not forgiving others. Now, the Apostle Paul puts it slightly differently, but it's really the same point. Down the bottom there, uh, in uh, Colossians 3, verse 12, and the last words, well, you have to guess it, but I'll read it out for us. Um, therefore, it's God's chosen people, bear with each other and forgive. Uh, so therefore, it's God's chosen people, and then a few, few more words, but I'll skip that bit. Um, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And look at this next bit. Right down here. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. That word's quite important, isn't it? It's not there on the screen. Um, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiveness of others flows from forgiveness from Christ. God's gracious invitation enables God's uh, a gracious response. We forgive as the Lord forgave us. That's our gracious response to God's gracious invitation. We forgive as our Father forgives. You see, there's a family resemblance when it comes to forgiveness. It's a bit of fun for a minute. Uh, that... I might have showed you this before. Anyway, here's a picture of my brothers and I. So hopefully you can see me and my brothers. Uh, and no, I'm not adopted, uh, as far as I know. But if you look hard, there actually is some family resemblance. Okay? Um, but over the years, there has been some debate about where the short, wide one came from. Um, that's me there although that doesn't it, they, they are a bit taller than me maybe I'm wearing heels that day or something you know boots um, there's got to be a family resemblance when it comes to forgiveness in other words here in Matthew 6 I've got it back up again Jesus and the apostle urges his disciples to resemble the father now not in looks of course but in character in godly character having the grace to forgive Let's close with a bit of a conundrum that comes our way if you're a Christian person now and then. And that is, what does this mean about the unrepentant? What does this mean? Uh, should we, must we forgive those who don't say sorry and who don't want to change? They don't want to patch things up. 
they don't want to reconcile? Should we forgive them? Well, I'll share my view after looking at relevant passages and so forth. It seems that a relationship can only be properly restored when the wrongdoer shows some repentance and desire for reconciliation. For God's, God's forgiveness is conditional upon our own repentance. Hear that? God's forgiveness is conditional upon our own repentance. We need to repent and believe, we're told. A relationship is not restored if only one party is reconciled. But God has done everything to enable us to repent. So we too must, be, must do everything in our power to facilitate the repentance of those who hurt us and be willing to accept even the smallest expressions of sorrow. For this is how our Father in heaven treats us. And when someone shows no willingness whatsoever to change or to say sorry, we must be ready to forgive as God is ready. We must entrust all judgment to our Father. And like the Father in the parable of the lost son or the forgiving Father, we wait patiently for signs of reconciliation. Remember that parable? I love the scene at the end. Tom spoke about it five, four weeks back, Tom, I don't know, uh, about that, right at the start of our, of our series. Um, the father is waiting for the son to return. He's ready. And when the son returns, what does he see? It's a great scene. It's a great story Jesus tells about God's love for us. The, the father runs to his son when he sees him at a distance. Just the smallest little bit of sorrow. Be ready, he's saying. The father is ready to forgive and, re- and, uh, and when those signs of repentance come, he runs with arms wide, wide open. That's what we ought to do, ready to forgive just like that and do all we can to help the other person uh, come to that understanding, come to repentance. You've probably got a question on that and it probably deserves a whole sermon. So what should you do? Well, you get your little bulletin out here and you tear it off. I've already prepared one earlier. Um, And you put it in the thing at the back then. We'll talk about it next week. Friends, forgiveness can be exceptionally hard. It can. And again, you might have a particular question about that, about forgiving someone who has hurt you immensely. And I guess it's what makes this prayer a hard prayer. But knowing the love of God and the forgiveness that he graciously offers us, forgiving others like the Lord forgave us, well, actually fills us with great joy. Let me read to you Psalm 51. Uh, Actually, this is the one that, Alex, you read. Yeah, it was. Let me read you these words again. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. How about we pray? Father, as we come to you and pray, Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. We ask that you would restore to us the joy of your salvation, knowing the assurance that we have been forgiven, that, Jesus, you died for us on the cross. You redeemed us. You took away the wrath of God and, Father, you, um, 
uh, we can know you and be right with you. We've been justified. And Lord, in response, we pray that we can graciously respond uh, to those people who have wronged us. We pray that we would work hard to seek um, uh, repentance. And Lord, ourselves, we would be willing to say sorry too. Lord, that can be hard sometimes. We pray for your wisdom. We pray for your love. Help us to be, to be committed to forgive others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. It feels like we